Greetings, Carl here. What do you do when you don't know what to do? I was thinking about that today. I Today, um, my wife left to go to London. So I'm in New Zealand. My wife got into a an interior design school in London. It's been a dream of hers forever. She's 49 and she's like, she's got this dream and she's making it reality. It's so exciting. So exciting. Like we are all so happy for her and we're, we're all, so for, uh, it's going to be about three months where we'll be living in different continents. Um, but then we'll all join her in, in London in, in January. She'll come back here for, uh, for those of you who are concerned, she'll come back here for the, the holidays. But there's a whole bunch of stuff. I've, I've been writing these little um, threads on Twitter about it, so you can go read it there. But there's a whole bunch of stuff around that, um, how excited we are for her, how scary it is to do making dreams reality. But what I wanted to talk today was about the feelings I had as the plane took off. And I'm going to try not to get emotional or heavy here, but as the plane, you know, like we all went to the airport, saw mom off and the, you know, once mom got checked in and everything the the kids, uh, went, they had to go to football practice or whatever. So they left, but I stayed, um, stayed with Corey until it's a small little airport. So, you know, you literally leave right from, from the, you know, we can, you can stay with somebody until they, they walk out and get on the plane. You can watch them get on the plane and the plane leave. So I stayed through that whole thing. And as I watched the plane leave, I, um, was walking out of the airport and I was overcome with emotion. Um, and, and don't get me wrong. Like I'm beyond excited for all of us and particularly for my wife, but I was feeling really lonely right in, in, you know, out in the middle of the Pacific ocean <laughs> in our new home that we love, but far away from family and my, you know, my two youngest with me, but they were off doing things, feeling lonely. I was feeling really lonely. And, and I felt this sense of loneliness and sadness well up within me and I cried. Right. And I was walking through the parking lot, looking for my car, crying and trying to avoid people. And, and, and it, but it made me think, about what do you do? So it's so interesting, you know, if, if I say to, you know, a, a friend or a colleague or something like, how are you doing, Carl? And I say, oh, I'm really sad. You know, the reaction we normally get is, oh, don't be sad. Oh, look at all the good in the world. You know, shh, Jerry, Jerry uh, Colonia talks about like, shh, don't cry. You know, all those things that we were told when we were younger, like, and, and I was thinking through why, and this gets me back to this sort of title, what, what to do when you don't know what to do. I think what goes on is, um, and, and I, I tend to wear my emotions on, this, on my sleeve a bit. And so I've watched this, you know, when I get emotional and particularly when I allow myself to express sadness or grief out loud, like, you know, I'm feeling sad or cry. Like people, we don't, as humans interacting in this world, we don't know what to do with that. We, and I think the reason we don't know what to do with it is we, we have this mistaken idea that our job is to fix it. And I'm mentioning this to like my financial advisor friends and my creative friends and my maker friends and my founder friends and, and all of my friends, everybody listening to this, we, we all run into this problem. 
my financial advisor friends run into this problem. Like somebody, you know, you're, you think you're working with ba- spreadsheets and calculators and sen- suddenly somebody's crying in your office. And I, I think what I, what I'm, what I'm learning is the job is not to fix it. And I think the reason we want to fix it, first, we have a mistaken idea that that's what the other person wants, right? They're clearly feeling some discomfort. So don't they want somebody to fix it? And as we learn more about this, we learn a, no, it's not what we want. First of all, because it's not possible. It's not possible for somebody to fix it. You, you can't make it go away any more than you could make the clouds go away. And second, we don't want, we don't want somebody to fix it because we, we, we want to go through it. It's what we signed up for, right? Easy is not the way. Hard is the way. And so what we actually want, and so I, I think they're like, all right, well then if I'm not to fix it, what am I supposed to do? And I think that's the dilemma is sometimes we intuitively recognize, I'm thinking of like, you've got a friend in trouble. You've got a client crying in front of you. You've got, you've, you've got a friend who, whose life is falling apart. You're a founder and your co-founder's life is falling apart. Like we've all run into these things and we think, uh, you know, something crazy happens a child passes away. Like I was just reading that amazing article about, and I, I wish I could remember who, you know, he and his wife wrote about their eight year old son dying in his sleep. And his wife said, please ask me about it. I want to talk about it, but we don't know what to do. So we, we don't go there. Like we don't, it's like we're showing up at a building that's on fire and we say, I don't have the skills, so I'm not going to rush in. And what I think we need to do is let go. It doesn't take any skill. You don't have to fix it. What we do is we let go of that and we go, you know what? The only thing I can do right now is put my hand on somebody's back quietly while they cry. Right? The only thing I can do right now is be there for them. The only thing I can do right now is just say, man, that must be hard. And that takes a unique vulnerability on our part. Right? To be willing to accept that we can't fix it. And realize that's not what anybody wants anyway, but we can't fix it. We're pretty powerless. And in that powerless lies great power. In that powerlessness lies our ability to help somebody change. So for a financial advisor sitting there while somebody gets emotional about some financial challenge they're having and saying, hey man, I know it's hard. And not rushing in and saying, hey, you know what? If we found 50 bucks here and 200, if you stop drinking coffee, I can compound your money. Like just, 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 it's hard. Yeah. When I read the news about the market, I get scared too, right? Like it's an example. Our founder friend whose life is crumbling, you know, a divorce or a problem with the child or, and, and we're just going to go say, hey buddy, like, can we go get some ice cream? You know, like, would you like to go for a walk? Hey, what about a fire on the beach? I have this great friend. I'm going to just use, I'm just going to call him V. V doesn't talk much, but one time when I was having a really tough time, V called me and was like, hey, can we go get lunch? And at lunch, I was like, oh, what did you want to talk about? He said, oh, it's not for me. I just wanted to go to lunch with you. Right? Like just time, presence, company. We don't need to fix it. So what do you do when you don't know what to do? You just be 
Let's can we just all agree? Let's just be human again. Let's let people feel emotions. Let's let people get excited and not feel threatened by it. Let's let let people celebrate, not feel like we have to be better. Let's let people cry and not need to fix it. Like that's a great gift. That's a great gift for all of us. All of us. And so those of you who've given me that gift today, thank you. You're amazing. Right? You're amazing. That's it.